Hello and welcome to What's the Deal, our banking series on JP Morgan's Making Sense podcast channel. I'm your host today, Brian Tremontosi, North American head of JP Morgan's Leverage Finance Capital Markets team. I am thrilled to have with me Brian Rubin, head of U.S. Fixed Income Trading at T. Rowe Price, and Michael Schechter, partner and head of credit trading at Aries Management. We asked them to join us today to help set the tone for J.P. Morgan's upcoming Global Leverage Finance Conference. Our conference is considered the gold standard of leverage finance and will take place February 26th through 28th in Miami, Florida. Brian, Michael, it's great to have you both joining us today. Thank you, Brian. Thank you for having us. Before diving in, it would be great if both of you can give our audience a brief background on your roles at your respective firms. Brian, let's start with you. I had been at T. Rowe Price for 27 years, started off in the middle office. I got to trading in 2003, and as of now, I run the U.S. fixed income. What that entails is all credit plus EM and securitized. Excellent. Thank you. Michael, how about you? Sure. I'm partner and head of credit trading at Aries Management. I've been at Aries now for four and a half years. Before that, I was on the sell side as a sell-side trader at both Citigroup and Morgan Stanley. Brian was a trusted client and friend when I was over at my previous shop, so thank you for having me as well. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. So let's jump right in. Market conditions today are quite different from those we experienced to start last year. Inflation is moderated, short and long-term interest rates appear to have peaked, and equities have rallied. Michael, what's your view of leveraged loan market outlook, and how has your perspective changed from last year? Sure. If you just take a quick step back, we've seen a tremendous amount of new loans so far year to date. We're at about 130 to 140 billion of gross credit in the loan market. The unfortunate part of that is only 10 billion of that has been net new money. We're seeing, unsurprisingly, given the macro backdrop you described, a good amount of repricing and refinancing activity. Luckily, at least on our side, only 15% of the market now trades above par, so we should start to see that repricing activity abate. I guess the question that's on our minds and the question that we talk to you a lot about, Tram, is what's down the pike in terms of new money opportunities, LBOs, M&A, where are they? Are we starting to see some green shoots in that side of the market? We don't see a ton in the market right now, so net new money is probably going to be made up of dividend transactions, first lien for second lien takeouts, revolver termouts. But we are hearing and then seeing some green shoots in terms of LBO and M&A activity. So right now in the current backdrop, we expect loans perform in line, not a whole heck of a lot of net new loans. CLO generation is very strong. So we assume we're going to be a little bit stable here outside of some macro shift. Obviously, you've seen rates over the last couple of days. Love to hear Brian's thoughts about that and high yield. But loans, until we see a meaningful pickup in net new credit, then we're going to kind of chug along here. Got it. Brian, how about the high yield market? We're kind of surprised that there hasn't been more high yield issuance. We've seen 14 billion year to date of secured bonds. But as Michael said, we agree. We're surprised there isn't more M&A down the road. There isn't a lot of hung deals like there was this time last year. And the environment feels pretty good. And even with rates backing up, the last couple of days, high yield is tighter, but there's still demand as seen in a lot of the new issues where books are 10 to 12 times oversubscribed and there just is not enough paper to go around. Are there any fundamentals that have you worried right now, whether they're election, geopolitics, anything else? In the Middle East is always on our mind. 
feels like that shoe could drop at any moment. I guess what we're worried about is what we don't know. Seemingly, there's always something that pops up that we should have thought of or seen or been aware of that we can't predict. The unknown is always the hard thing that we face. Yeah, from my perspective, geopolitical is obviously top of mind. But for me, especially over the last week or so with some of the data we've seen, it's really this concept that maybe the Fed isn't going to be as aggressive with their cuts. Rates aren't going to come down as quickly as the market is projecting. We were never at the six cuts that the market was at, and we were probably longer, call it a June-type time frame. But, you know, the higher for longer narrative is something that we kind of still believe in, which is a boon. Obviously, on the investment side, you're getting that higher short-term rate for longer on your investments. But my concern is, does that higher base rate if that lasts for longer, longer than the market expects, do we start to see some sort of degradation in some of the lower quality segment of the loan market? Great, thank you. So let's now just talk about the origination calendar. Sheck, when you mentioned this before, you talked about the roughly $140 billion supply, and for sure, the vast majority of that was repricing and refinancing. What are your overall thoughts on this robust activity? And as well as how are you thinking about supply-demand balance for the remainder of the year? Do you think it will be mostly refinancing-driven? And how will lenders react to a return of M&A and LBOs? From what we're hearing, and this is in conversations with the street as well as our feel into the direct lending markets, it seems like M&A and LBO activity are getting closer to getting accomplished. I think a lot of what you saw last year was a lot of transactions that wanted to happen that didn't happen. They doubt on the five-yard line, whether it was leverage or whether it was an equity check, but we're hopeful that we start to see more activity in that LBO and M&A pipeline. What that activity is made up of, I think it's going to be a little bit of a question to me. I think you'll see more corporate carve-outs. I think that's going to be a sweet spot for private equity. The return of sponsor-to-sponsor transactions, maybe. I think those are a little bit more challenged, and that drove a lot of the 2021 type of LBO volumes. But we're Hopeful that you see some LBO and MA activity. I think the backdrop is materially better than it was last year. Whether short-term rates or rates volatility continues, which I think it will, it does feel like at least we've probably peaked in terms of rates. So modeling a deal from both the equity and the debt perspective is probably a little bit easier. Also, and Brian mentioned this earlier, the hung calendar has kind of cleared out as well as, you know, you've seen this refinancing wave that has brought spreads in the loan market a little bit lower, we do feel like banks are going to be more aggressive in lending, which I think will also help M&A and LBO activity. You've already seen three deals this year in the syndicated loan markets refinance direct lending deals. So it feels like between at least a modestly more stable macro environment when it comes to rates, as well as a healthier banking system, we're hopeful that LBO and M&A calendar will pick up. Great, thanks. And then, Brian, over to you. We talked a little bit before about the calendar only being $30 billion, which, candidly, is actually a pretty good January. But with spreads at 400 basis points, lowest level that we've seen since the end of 2021, are you surprised there isn't more volume? Really surprised. And I think what the market really needs is new names. We're hoping that we see more activity. And we see new names. The refinancings, it's not great, especially when you look at environment where you're losing more paper than what you have. It's because the deals are so oversubscribed. We're just hoping for new names that we can look at. 
So new names come from M&A for the most part, at least my experience, and then driven further by LBO activity. Is the market ready again for LBOs, triple C rated, five, six times levered type of deals? I think they are. I think people really just are getting tired of the same old names. And I think the opportunity to look at new opportunities are attractive to people. And, you know, triple C's, I guess the issue in, what was that, 2022, where the banks unfortunately got hung with stuff, that led to no junior capital in 23, really, or a limited junior capital. To make returns work, you need triple C's, you need single B's. You need something where you're going to have a double-digit type return to a first call. All right. So we've talked about supply. What about demand? We'll start with Brian this time. What's your sense of high-yield barn market liquidity today? And does the wave of upgrades from high-yield to investment grade, has that now largely passed? So the market shrunk over the past two years, whether it's been because of lack of new issuance or because of the upgrades. That was predominantly in the energy space where we saw the most amount of rising stars. Feels like that trend is ending. You see strategics taking out companies still. Kind of contradicting myself because I said the high-yield market grew in, <laughs> in January because of all the secured financings. You know, just don't see that trend holding tight. So I think the supply, we would like to see more of, but the liquidity is fine. I mean, you look at Trace on any given day, there could be 10 to $12 billion of securities traded. Only 18 to 20% of that is street-driven. And it tells you there's a healthy appetite for accounts to trade the portfolios, which is incredibly helpful. And, you know, when new issues come, it creates more activity. And that's always welcome. Michael, there was a lot of talk last year about static CLOs passing the reinvestment date. Do you still see this overhanging the market? It's not as big of an issue as it was last year, and it certainly sort of self-corrected in a couple ways. First off, Brian's mentioned the increase of secured bonds in the high-yield market, and that was kind of the first way that the CLO cliff, for lack of a better term, kind of self-corrected. You saw secured bond deals launched alongside of A&Es to help buffer that CLOs needing to drop from extensions. That was kind of the first step in getting better. And then overall, just the secondary market and CLO issuance picking up is the other thing that made that a little bit less of a concern this year. I think you had about $12.5 billion of CLOs price in January, one of the most robust months in quite some time. And the, you know, the calendar remains very strong. You have AAAs inside of 150. They wind out to almost 240 at their wide. So you've got new CLO generation that could also pick up some of those drops from those static CLOs. And then finally, you're also going to get some of those deals able to be reset and refied. You probably need AAAs to tighten in a bit from here still to have a real deluge of kind of reset and refi activities. But with an outlet to the High-yield market in the form of secured bonds with CLO generation, with ETF inflows. The static issue, I think, is less of a concern. Where it might still be a concern is in triple Cs. You saw $24 billion of loans taken out by private credit that were triple C in nature, shorter duration. Triple C extensions are still a little bit tricky, but between private credit or high-yield or just credit opportunities, we don't really see that as being a huge issue right now in the market. Got it. Thanks. And then, Brian, just following up on that, with short-term rates, 100-plus basis points wide of longer-term rates, do you ever see your high-yield accounts 
buying into loans just to manage uh, coupon generation and just sort of excess cash that you might have in your balance sheet. I know Mike for all these years, just because our high yield accounts have been involved in loans. We launched a loan product in 2007. We don't have any CLOs. So, you know, it's something that we've done for years. It's always been a double B surrogate as well for us. So I don't think anything changes from that. As long as rates are what they are and you could pick up, if it's a place to invest, it's attractive. We agree. The higher for longer is a rhetoric that we weren't expecting probably two months ago, three months ago. So when you're looking at shorter duration, high yield inside 6% or between 6 and 7%, it makes loans very attractive. So to round it out, are there a couple of things that you want to get out of the high yield leverage finance conference? Michael, anything particular for you? I always enjoy both the sponsor panel as well as the private credit panel. Private credit seemed to be a very hot topic last year around the conference. So those are two panels I'm looking forward to, but I really enjoy the conference because I get to spend a lot of time with the JP Morgan team. But more importantly, I get to spend time with people like Brian and other buy side accounts that I've known for 15 years and having strong relationships with both your sell side and your buy side counterparts is extremely important. So I'm looking forward to that and I'm looking forward to the warm weather as well. <laughs> Well, it hasn't been that warm a winter, but it's going to be great to have you down there. Brian, what about you? Unfortunately, Shecky took everything that I was going to say. It's very similar. You know, the access that JP Morgan gives us is great. We try to take advantage of it, me especially. You could get in and out. You could see the sponsors. You could hear panels, and it makes the time well worth it. And it's always great to hear Jamie Diamond speak. Outstanding. So, Brian, Michael, this has been a great lead into our conference we are very much looking forward to the event and the discussions will be had. To our listeners, stay tuned for a follow-up podcast post the conference with J.B. Morgan's Global Head of Debt Capital Markets, Kevin Foley, as well as Tony McCann, Global Head of Leverage Finance Sales, and Tarek Amid, North American Head of Corporate Credit Research. Thank you both. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to What's the Deal? If you've enjoyed this conversation, we hope you'll review, rate, and subscribe to J.P. Morgan's Making Sense to stay on top of the latest industry news and trends. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. To stay ahead of the curve, sign up for J.P. Morgan's In Context newsletter, packed full of market views and expert insights delivered straight to you. To subscribe, just visit jpmorgan.com forward slash in hyphen context. This material was prepared by the Investment Banking Group of J.P. Morgan Securities, LLC, and not the firm's research department. It is for informational purposes only and is not intended as an offer or solicitation for the purchase, sale, or tender of any financial instrument.